us. Welcome back to our teaching in the book of John. Now, the last time we were here, we were dealing with the feeding of the 5,000. And we want to remember as we are studying the book of John, what is John's principal point that he is trying to say? He begins as always, what? Back to the prologue, one and one. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. And so all of these particular miracles or signs that John has selected out to tell us in his gospel. Now, remember, I said selected out. Why? Even at the end of John's gospel, he lets us know that Jesus performed many other signs, miracles, wonders. All of it basically means the same thing. He did many other things that in his three year ministry, he said if he would record all of them, all the books in the world could not contain so many things that Jesus did. But John has chosen these particular ones to prove his point. OK, and the point of John is Jesus is not only the human Messiah who gave his life uh, on the cross, but he is also God from heaven. And that simply comes to solidify the point only God can say. But we're not going to get into all of that right now, but bringing us back into the mindset so we have to understand when we begin to look at the recorded miracles or signs, semion in the Greek, that John records from Jesus, they have a particular purpose. And the purpose is to, uh, to, to buttress his theme, that is, Jesus is God. And there is no salvation unless you understand and believe this particular principle point. But anyway, so let's go back here. Let's go back to our review. It's not a difficult review whatsoever, but Jesus does this sign. That is, he takes two fish, five loaves, and feeds over easily 10,000 people. Why do we say 10,000? There were 5,000 men alone, not including the women and children. This is remarkable to do such a miracle and always turn on the theater of your mind and just try to imagine a minimum of 10,000 people being fed by two fish and five loaves. This is an outstanding sign, a sign not only that Jesus is the Messiah, not only simply saying, not only simply saying that Jesus can provide for Israel, for his people, but a sign speaking to the person of who he is, as John is trying to record it here. OK, but what is the point of the sign that Jesus is God in doing such an incredible miracle? You should understand that two fish five loaves, and then have what? 12 baskets of leftover. Amazing miracle. All right. So this became a sign of his person to the people. And now we prepare to continue on in John. And it's such a beautiful thing in how this is done, but we're not going to be premature this time. The sign has gone out to the people. What sign? a sign of his person that Jesus is God. And remember, we told you again and again and again, 
You have to be able to remember to discern the titles of Jesus as we walk through the gospel, especially well, at, at any time, but especially be concerned about certain titles in the gospel of John. Remember such titles as what? Son of man speaking to Jesus humanity. And you can see that even easily and son of God speaking to his divinity that Jesus shares in the being of God, second person of the divine Trinity. Okay. And that's why we see son of God. So when you see son of God, God's son, it always speaks to his divine nature. And what is the whole point of John's gospel is hammering about Jesus's divine nature. What was the sign of the loaves of bread? It was to speak, to verify that this one, not only Messiah, only God can do such a thing. And that's one of the reasons why we see this particular miracle sign recorded in all four gospels. Okay. But now with all of that, let's continue on unto the issue of Jesus walking on the water, and we'll be able to say even other things about that. But keep in mind, what did we just see? A sign unto the peoples. And don't forget the interaction that Jesus did. It was Jesus' bright idea to feed the people. It was Jesus' idea when he began to question his disciple on how he would, how they would feed the people. Jesus instigated this particular issue of feeding the people, questioning his disciples about feeding the people. And remember what it said, although he knew what he would do. In other words, Jesus did this in advance to show them something. He was trying to show them something about himself and his disciples played a critical role in that, in that Jesus questioned them on what he should do. That is, he engaged their attention. Look, listen, pay attention. Okay. Especially for his own disciples. And then he also commanded disciples to tell the people what to do, but he was getting the attention of the disciples as well as speaking to the people through these signs, okay? Now that we're finished with the feeding of the 5,000, let's continue on to the walking on the water as we see it recorded in John's gospel and try to bring together, integrate this event into John's overall theme about Jesus. What is his theme about Jesus? He is God, the son of God. So with enough of that, let's now just simply get into the next section. Okay, verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Okay, so now we're moving to this next section, and I don't want to prematurely get into it, but Jesus retired to the mountain, got away from the people after the people desired to make him king and go back and look at the previous video. I've commented about the making him king and why Jesus rejected at that time for him, for them to make him king apart from the cross. So I don't want to get back into that rehash, all of that. Just go back and look at the end of the previous video. But 
up to the mountain to pray. Now, what we see is when it says it was evening time. All right. So Jesus, evening time, the disciples went down to the sea. What we have to do now is we have to integrate. I tell you what I'm going to do. I tell you what I'm going to do. But let me just simply tell you now. In order to fully understand what's going on here in John, we it, it becomes necessary to integrate the, the account of this event from the other gospel writers. So we're going to review those other events in order to fully understand John's gospel, because John is going to do something. He's going to say it as if to infer or as if to imply something here. Okay, you know what, guys? Let me just back it all the way up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this entire section and then we'll go back to explain what we need to. Okay. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, near to the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Okay, now, all right. First, let's do it this way. We're going to contain our explanation to John, and then we're going to expand, that is, integrate some of the the writers, uh, uh, other writers of the gospel, to fully understand what John is just so easily and you can and you can mistakenly not perceive all that John is trying to say but John just simply says it and he just moves on and John doesn't get into a lot of the details here he just simply makes a point but let's go back so what happened Jesus is now at he was at on the mountain he, he refused to be made king by the people we've already talked about all of that then he sends his disciple. Okay, John simply says, now the evening came and his disciples went down to the sea. Okay, 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 okay. I keep making that same mistake. I keep integrating too fast. But that's what John simply said. What I mean by saying I'm integrating too fast is I'm bringing in my own mind the other gospel writers too quickly. Okay, but before I just simply explain what John says, back to what John is saying. The disciples are down at the sea. They get into a boat on their way to Capernaum. And that's the ultimate destination. Going to Capernaum, he tells us that it was dark. Jesus has not yet come to them. So John sets a setting for us. The disciples will get on the boat, going on their way to Capernaum. It is dark. Now, remember, John loves to do this little dualism thing. It is dark. Dark implies the absence of light. Light could be knowledge uh, or light could be righteousness in a sense. Darkness could be absence of knowledge or sin. And that may be being implied here with the sense of being dark. But nevertheless, it is literally dark. 
and whether John is implying a spiritual uh, uh, meaning to the dark as well cannot be really determined here. But we can say the certainty of it. It's dark. All right. And then the disciples are on the boat. The, 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 the Sea of Galilee gets stirred up again, which was quite common. It was quite common at that time. Nothing big, especially during the time of the night. The sea gets stirred up. And then all of a sudden, as they were out about three or four miles, all of a sudden they began to see Jesus walking on the sea. He begins to approach them as if approaching them as if to pass by. They became frightened. Now, you need to see this again. Turn on the theater of your mind. Here it is approximately what uh, uh, anywhere from three to six o'clock in the morning that Jesus is coming to them on the waters. The sea is, is the wind of the sea is moving and being fierce. And you can imagine them as they said, the text says they're on the boat and they're struggling against the wind as they're trying to get to the other side is late at night. And all of a sudden here comes Jesus walking on the water. Now, you be them. Can you imagine in all of this scenario, all of a sudden here you see a human being, a man walking on the water and you begin to recognize such a one as Jesus. If you were one of the disciples, you begin to recognize him as Jesus. But initially, because it just doesn't work in your mind, you don't want this can't be a man. Why? Men cannot walk on water. It is impossible. It is a physical impossibility. So when you see it, you begin to think that it's a ghost or something and you will be, you're going to be scared out of your wits. Say, what my goodness. And this is not something seen by one is seen by all of them. But let me just continue with John. And so John simply says, when they begin to be afraid, Jesus calmed them down. And he said, it is I, don't be afraid. Now let's deal with that part. It is I don't be afraid. Now, ego a me is the actual text. In the gospel of John, we'll see a number of times when Jesus uses this statement. It is, we translate it, it is I, or in the Greek, ego a me, a number of times. Oftentimes in the gospel of John, this statement has great theological importance. It gives a reference back to Isaiah 41 when God self-identifies, when God identifies himself as God in the things that I do, the things that only a true God can do. Why? Because there are no other gods besides me. That's in the Isaiah 41 issue. But also, even more so, should I even say, in God's revelation of himself, he identifies himself to Moses in the burning bush when he says to Moses, I am who I am. I am that I am, who I am, that I am. That's the same idea. But God identifies himself as I am. It means I am the one who exists of myself. I am God. Okay. With that understanding, the I am statements that we see in the gospel of John that comes from the mouth of Jesus, oftentimes 
they, ha they have theological importance. So when Jesus says, I am, and that's what he's saying here when he says, it is I, in the Greek, literally, ego, a mean, I am. The theological importance is Jesus is identifying himself to be God because what, he's, what is he doing? He is taking the concepts of those passages from Isaiah 41 as well as Exodus 3, I believe it's 3 and 14, in God's self-identification, Jesus is applying that same God divine self-identification to himself. And this is what John is doing in almost, not all of them, but in almost every single passage of Jesus' reference to himself when he says, I am ego a me. And that's what he is saying here, ego a me. So here's the issue. Is Jesus simply giving us an identification? Is that what John doing here? Simply giving it. So as Jesus walking on the water, is he simply saying, it's not a ghost, it's me, it's me, Jesus, or is John using this particular statement, this particular uh, 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 verbiage, ego, a me, to reference Exodus 3 and 14, Isaiah 41, of Jesus identifying himself to be God? The answer is, tell you up front, God. John, remember the whole theme of John's gospel is G Jesus is God. And John is using this particular sign miracle that Jesus is doing to speak that he is God. So the ego, ego, a me is speaking in Exodus 3 and 14 is speaking in that vein, in the Isaiah 14 vein. Jesus is identifying himself to be God. And the whole issue as John, and, and that's what I was, I was saying, how John kind of brings this in really quickly. And he goes about it as if to say, you should get the point that I'm saying, but it's not always easy to see the point that John is trying to say. That's why we need to integrate the other records of the gospel. Now we're going to do that, but all I simply want to say at this point is John here is using the ego amen. I am in the reference as Jesus self-identifying as God to prove his whole point in the signs that he's recording, in the miracles that he's recording about Jesus. He did these things to prove he is God. And John records that to prove what? I'm proving to you what I said in the beginning. The word God became flesh. And I'm gonna show you that he, God is flesh, that Jesus is God by the things that he is doing. Okay, and that's the whole idea of John's gospel. Now, getting back to it. So this is what happens. So Jesus identifies ego a me that he is God through his walking on the water. And that's one of the first miracles that we see recorded in this section, even though it's a very few verses, beautiful thing that we see. And there are actually two miracles, two signs that are done. The first is the walking on the water. Now, the second, notice what it says. One, once they understood it was Jesus, they were willing to receive him into the boat. 
And immediately what? Verse 21, the boat was at the land which they were going. So remember, they were halfway there. They had gotten, they were in the Sea of Galilee. The wind started blowing. They were struggling against the waters and therefore they were not at their destination. They were halfway there, three to four miles there. When Jesus came walking on the water, they saw him, understood that it was him, received him into the boat. Notice what John says. Immediately, the boat was at the land which they were going. That means they were on the other side. Again, you have to really consider what the devil is going on here. Jesus actually gets into the boat. He gets into the boat. Once he gets into the boat, they are literally, the whole boat with Jesus and the disciples are literally transported immediately to the other side. How can you do that? How can a man do that? And see, even though John, he just says it in the simplest of ways. But when you really think about what is going on, you go like, hubba hubba. How in the world did this how did he do that? And that's the point that John is trying to drive home because a man cannot do these things. But guess what? God can. So Jesus gets into the boat and immediately the boat, Jesus and all of his disciples in the boat, they just materialize almost like a Star Trek kind of a thing. They materialize on the other side. Now take Take some time to think about what he just did. Have you ever seen such a thing? Have you ever heard of any such thing being done in this world? Who can do these things? Okay. All right. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to break it down so that you can understand the wholeness of what's going on. Okay. Remember, I talked about earlier the integration. Remember, I said I said earlier in my teaching. Since this is the gospel of John, we're going to try to keep ourselves within John. Sometimes for further clarity or to get the whole picture better, you need to incorporate what the other writers said about this particular event. So now what we're going to do, we're going to step outside of the gospel of John. We're going to look at the gospel of Mark and Matthew because this, this event is talked about in John, Mark, as well as Matthew. And what we're going to do as we look at the accounts of Mark and Matthew, what John just simply stated to us to prove his point about the divine nature of Jesus, Mark and Matthew is going to further enlighten us to help us to understand why Jesus did what he did. And even more so when John makes the point, listen, the ego, amen, when John makes that point, is Jesus simply trying to say, hey, it's just me, Jesus, or is Jesus using it from a theological point? That is, I am God. And that's the whole point why John incorporated this sign. Is that what Jesus is saying when he says, I am, ego me? These other gospel writers, that is Mark, as well as Matthew, are going to help us to understand this event better and then we'll be able to tie it all together. You ready? Okay. So now let's just simply start with Mark's uh, uh, re recollection of this event. Mark chapter six, verse 45. Now I'm not going to explain 
all of the details. I'm going to simply only highlight it. Highlight the specific details that helps us to understand what John was trying to say in his gospel. Why? We are not studying Mark or Matthew. We're studying John. But we're using these texts in order to understand what John didn't. I don't want to say failed to mention, but simply what John did not mention. Okay, so to watch it. Mark 6 and 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. Oh, 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 isn't that beautiful? He made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away and bidding them, the crowd, farewell. He left for the mountain to pray. So notice what Mark says. Mark, see, John just simply starts it off simply saying, and his disciples went down to the sea. What Mark lets us see is Jesus sent them down. He sent them. And you got to remember, okay, not even going to get excited. In the back of your mind, just remember how when Jesus asked them, when the crowd, when, when he was on the mountain, all the crowds were there in the previous section of John. All the crowds were there and Jesus did not want to send them away. And he asked his disciples, how would they feed these people? And remember, Jesus knew what he was going to do. That's what I want you to see. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he would take that. They, he would send his disciples to look for food. They would find a boy with a snack pack. Two fish, five loaves. He knew he would take that very small sample of a sample of a food and feed a guy no, a huge amount of people. He knew these things just like as he is sending his disciples to the sea to cross over to the other side. He is sending them with a purpose. He knows what's going to happen when they get in onto the sea. He has every intent to come to them in the manner at night when the wind is blowing. He knew how they would feel. They would be afraid. He knew. So when Jesus sent his disciples to the other side, he knew the events that would take place. He knew that. So here's the question that you got to ask yourself. He knows these things. That's cool. Why is he doing these things? And that's the answer that we're going to get. And that's how we're going to better understand, or should I even say, fully begin to understand what John is trying to say. You got it? Okay. So what does it say again? He sent his disciples. He sent them. That means Jesus has a purpose to the other side. And then it talks about Bethsaida. I don't want to get into all of the details because, you no, know, John said Capernaum. Then here it says Bethsaida. There's no conflict in the text. All it's simply saying is this. He sent them to the other side. They will go to the city of Bethsaida. That's where they're going to arrive first. But their ultimate destination would simply be Capernaum. And that's what John is dealing with, the ultimate destination, Capernaum. Go to Bethsaida, they'll land there first, then from Bethsaida to Capernaum, okay? So he sends the people away. Jesus goes into the mountain to pray. Now, 47, when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. We already know about all of that. He was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, 
and he intended to pass by them. So basically simply saying for anywhere three to six o'clock in the morning, what happened? The wind is blowing. We already know that from John and Jesus sees them struggling on the sea. Now that is an interesting statement. I don't want to dissect it, but three to four miles and he was able to see them struggling three to four miles out across the water. But anyway, I'm not going to deal with that. But consider that. Consider that Jesus was able to do that. And what happens? He now begins to walk on the water. Notice it said, and he intended to pass by them. That is kind of like to lead them or if to come alongside of them. And I don't want to get into all of the details on that. In the sense as if to pass by them, okay? But his whole point is for them to see him walking on the water because he went in their direction. He could have been leading for protection, but that's not the point we're driving at. But the point is he comes to them on the water. Remember, we're not trying to study Mark and break it down. We're just trying to deal with John and give that insight. But when they saw Jesus on the sea, they, they supposed, verse number 49, that it was a ghost and they cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. So now let's look at that part. So now they see Jesus walking on the water. And of course, they feel like you if it is not a human being or something must be wrong. But notice how Mark makes it. He, he brings in all of the witnesses. They, this was not in Mark's mind. This was not in Peter's mind. I'm not going to get about Mark's gospel, but this was not in just one or two of the disciples. All of them saw him. So all of them witnessed Jesus walking on the water. And quite naturally, you're not thinking that this is a man walking on the water. It, why? Men cannot walk on the water. So what? They say it has to be a phantasma. That's the actual word that is used in the Greek. Or as we would simply say, it's a ghost. It's, it's a ghost. This can't be a man. And so they became what? Terrified. And we can all understand that feeling. If we saw something like that, it would terrify us too, especially considering the situation. What? It's three to six o'clock in the morning, late at night. The wind is blowing. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's something's going on here. But what? Jesus again identifies himself. He says, take courage. In other words, he calms them down. Don't be afraid. And again, in Mark, in Mark, what? He says, ego a me. It is I. This is not a statement of self-identification, but, but let's just keep working through the text. Let's just keep working through the text. Ego a mean, and I'm telling you now, just like John's point was, theological importance, ego a mean. He is identifying himself, not simply, hey, it's me, Jesus. He is identifying himself with God. Exodus 3 and 14, I am that I am. Isaiah 41, only Yahweh can do these things, okay? Uh, uh, don't be afraid, it's me. Verse number 51, then he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. Now we know about that part too. He got into the boat, everything calms down and they began to, go, they began to marvel. And so now in their astonishment, it is making them think and reflect not only think and reflect on the situation, but yet see the situation is helping you. 
The situation is helping you. You're saying now, wait a minute, wait a minute, what the world has happened here? Uh, the wind is blowing really hard. Uh, Jesus does something that's impossible to do. Walk on the water that no man can do. He walks on the water to us. And then all of a sudden the wind just stops. And remember what John said. Immediately the boat was at the land. He transported us to the other side. You, so you're going to, you got to think, say, what the world, what the world? So this brings astonishment and also forces them to begin to think about not just what Jesus is doing, but who he is. But now I'm not done yet. Let's go to verse number 52. Final verse in Mark. For they had not gained. See, I want to preach right there. They had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. So, so what, what is Mark saying? He said, listen, listen. Jesus made them to get into the boat to go on the other side. He made them to do that. He knew that the winds would be contrary to them. He purposely decided to come to them at the time that he decided. Late at night, when the wind was blowing, he decided to walk on the wall. All of this was orchestrated by Jesus in the same way. Remember what I just told you in the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus asked the disciples, how are we going to feed all of these people? When John said what? He knew exactly what he was going to do in the same way when he sends his disciples on the other side, knowing all of these things would take place. He knew what he was going to do because he was trying to say something to them. What? In the same way. Listen, what did the feeding of the 5,000 say about Jesus? No man could do what Jesus just did. What is the very theme of the gospel of John? Jesus is God. I am selecting these particular signs to show you he does things that only God can do. Let me show you something. He took two fish, five loaves, a young boy snack pack, and he fed easily over 10,000 people. Wow. Do you not understand? Only God can do these things. And also remember, guys, what I just told you, too, how he Jesus engaged his disciples asking uh, Andrew, how are we going to feed these people? Philip, what are we going to do? Where are we going to get all this stuff from? And I believe it was Andrew and Philip. How are we going to do these things? So the disciples were engaged so that to the people and even especially to the disciples, see what Jesus is doing. What do these things tell you about Jesus? It's telling you, John recorded in his gospel, Jesus is not just a man, Messiah, he is God. But notice what Mark does for us, how Mark helps us understand it. So Jesus says, watch, watch this. Listen, listen, listen. He says, you know what the problem is? He said, the people didn't get it right. Why? They want to come make me king. Go look at back what I taught about uh, 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 the feeding of the 5,000. They want to come make me king. They want to be free from the Romans. They are looking at me and not understanding the point that I'm trying to make in all of these things. 
the testimony about myself that I'm giving in all of these things. Gospel of John, the word was with God. The word was God. The word was made flesh. They're not understanding my testimony about myself in these things. The people don't understand, but notice something. Now we got to get to walk on the wall. So Jesus said, and you know what Jesus is able to perceive? You know what Jesus was able to perceive, guys? Not only did the people not understand his own decision, disciples did not understand. So guess what Jesus said? He said, you know what, guys, you don't get it. You don't understand who I am. You're not perceived. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you into the boat to the other side. I know what's going to happen. I know the wind will be contrary. I know you're going to be just about stuck out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And I intend to come to you to do something that no man can simply do. I intend to come to you and walk on the water. And when I come to you walking on the water, it's to help you to understand. I'm giving you an additional lesson that I didn't give the people. You, my disciples, need to understand who I am. Why? Because you would think disciples of mine. You would think Andrew. You would think Peter. You would think uh, 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 Philip that you of all people should understand what I'm saying about myself. But you don't. Therefore, I give you another witness. I give you another sign to who I am. That's, so that's the beauty. I'm doing all of this preaching so you can see verse number 52. For they, his own disciples, had not gained insight. Insight into what? Who he is. What Jesus was saying about his person. They did not perceive from the miracle of the loaves. Notice their hearts were hardened. Their, their understanding was dull. They were dull of understanding. They were slow to perceive through the wondrous signs that Jesus was doing what he was saying about himself. So what does it say? The reason why Jesus walked on the water was a sign to his disciples. Why? For they did not understand the first sign. What first sign? The feeding of the 5,000, the loaves. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying about himself. Now, I have already said to you, coming down. I have already said to you that the reason why John incorporated this was in the corpus of the many signs that he recorded. Well, should I even not many, but actually a few, but of the few signs that he recorded about Jesus, what? To show that Jesus was God. Now, John in the I am statement, note you see the I am in John, you see the I am in Mark, ego, amen. Not a statement of self-identification saying it's me. No, 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 no. The theological point that John is trying to say in time, Exodus 3 and 14, Isaiah 41, Jesus is God. Because that's the whole point of John's gospel in the first place. But John, as I said to you earlier, simply made a statement. He just said it and kept going. And if you didn't take time to really chew on it, it's this miracle that John is doing. It's the statement of John that I'm talking about, the gospel of John. Ego amen. It is I. Is Jesus simply saying it's I or is he simply, is he Exodus 3 and 14? 
I am tying himself to the divine. Okay. What I have said is in John, that is the whole point of it all, but you'll run through it. But is this indeed? Now let's review what we have already. John, we've already dealt with that. And that is the point that using this thing of walking on the water and the I am. And notice what John also does. He not only does the ego a me, the I am theological import that I am God. Moses, I am who I am. Isaiah 41. Can any of the gods do these things? No, because they are not God. I alone am God. I am God. Okay. John has said that. Then what? The very end of John in the account of this thing. They were immediately on the other side. See, John just simply says stuff. He says stuff. And if you didn't watch it, you just read it. But you got to really think about it. How in the blazes did a man do that? No, it's not recorded anywhere where anybody else did anything like that. And that's John's whole point. Only God can just simply transport like that. Transport himself like that. Transport the disciples like that from in the middle of a raging sea. See all of a sudden come and then you're on the other side. Now who can do that? Tell me that. Who can do that? No man. So John says it that way. Again. Is the ego a me? I am a reference to Jesus' divine nature. And then let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark now. What have we learned in Mark? Mark says it. Mark says they, the disciples didn't just arbitrarily get on the boat and go to the other side without Jesus. No, Jesus sent them there. He knew all the things that would happen in the middle of the night. There was wind going, Jesus walking on the water. He knew all of these things happened. He walked on the middle of the water. Uh, he walked on the water, middle of the night. His disciples received him into the boat. He did all of these things. Why? Mark says, because Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson in the low. Not only was it a lesson to, pe to the people of who Jesus was, but it was also supposed to be a lesson to his disciples of who Jesus was. But what was the problem? Mark says they were dull of understanding. They did not see the sign of the loaves and understand what Jesus was trying to say. So Jesus gave them another sign. What? Walking on the water. That's the beauty of verse number 52. For they had not gained any insight of the, from the incident, they didn't understand what Jesus was trying to say. You got it? They still didn't get it. But now let's finish the final point and incorporate all of these things into what John was trying to say. John was saying he did these things to prove to his disciples, I am God. How? Now we look into Matthew's account of these events. And again, now, guys, remember, I'm not trying to deal with all of the issue of Matthew. I'm dealing with Matthew as it pertains to John, John's point. OK, so now let's look at Matthew's account. We go to Matthew chapter 14 and it starts at verse number. What, 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 what? Twenty two. Immediately he made the disciples, notice again, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. 
Same thing. We've already learned all of these facts from John as well as Mark. Jesus and that and what what Jesus, as Mark says, sent them away. And we understand that. We just dealt with all of the stuff that Mark was saying. He sent them away to teach them a lesson. He sent them away to teach them a lesson. Okay. Then sending the crowds away, Jesus goes up to pray. Verse 24, the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. We've already seen all of these things, John, as well as Mark. What? In the middle of the night, Jesus sees them struggling on the waters. He comes to them walking on the waters. They are afraid. Jesus calms them down. And now, once again, hitting the brakes, slowing it down, Jesus says, it is I. It is the same Greek construction, ego, a, me. Again, I posit to you. This is not Jesus saying, hey, y'all, it's me, Jesus. No, this has all of the theological import. Exodus 3 and 14, Mark, I'm sorry, Isaiah 41 of Jesus' statement of divinity. I am. And he wants you to see all of that. I am. I am what? I am God. Like God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am. And even so, let me tell you, tell you what God, in the, I just, let me just give you an aside. The name of God, as we see it in Hebrew, Yod, Hey, Wow, Hey. In the name of God, we can see that verb Hajah. The word, verb Hajah in Hebrew means to be, to be, to be. In the name of God itself, we can see the root of the word Hajah, Hebrew, to be, or we can even say am, 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 or to be, meaning the same thing. In the very name of God is the root of the word am, I am, Hajah, Yahweh, I am. That's why we call him the name of God, meaning the self-existent one. I am that I am. I am who I am. I am the one who exists when there is nothing. I am. But anyway, that was enough of that aside. We're not in Exodus. But, okay, again, what we have in Matthew, we have the declaration of Jesus, I am. He calms him down. I am. Don't be afraid. That theological import is there. Then we have the next section in Matthew, uh, Matthew records where Peter says to Jesus, if it is you, Lord, allow me to come to you. And that is we have the instance of Peter walking on the water. Peter walks on the water. Then all of a sudden he is afraid. He is distracted. He sees the wind and stuff happening. He begins to sink and Jesus has to save him. Now, we're not dealing with Matthew's account, so I'm not going to get into all of those issues concerning what is going on with Peter. That is trying to, uh, uh, to give you the interpretation and understanding the spiritual insight into Peter's uh, lack of faith. But we just simply, simply, simply say it took place. We're sticking with what? John's account. We're trying to deal with John. So now let's go to the very end of it. Uh, 
after Peter and Jesus gets into the boat. Skipping verse number 28 through 31. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. 33. And those who were in the boat, I'm about to throw you guys out of here. Those who were in the boat, what did they do? They worshipped him and said, they were saying what? You certainly, you are certainly God's son. Now, let me calm down because I need to teach and not preach. But this, that's the hammer. That's the hammer right there. Now, watch. In seeing what Jesus has done, what, what have we experienced? Guys, what, what have we seen? See, you see, Mark said, Mark said, the reason why Jesus sent them into that boat on the other side, knowing all the things that would happen, knowing what he would do, is because Mark said it. They, their hearts were hardened. Their spiritual insight was dull. They did not understand when Jesus did the miracle of the loaves. They didn't perceive what Jesus was trying to say. Not in the miracles, but about himself. They didn't, their understanding was not right concerning him. And if these men are to carry the gospel, if these men are to preach the gospel, the gospel is the good news about Jesus about who he is, what he has done, and why we should put our faith in him. How can you preach about a Jesus you yourself do not understand? Mark said they didn't understand the miracle of the loaves, what Jesus was trying to say. John in his gospel said, let me tell you something. The reason why I'm including this is I'm telling you, he is God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word was made flesh. All of these things I'm letting you see, Jesus is the son of God. Remember the title, son of God, son of God. It always speaks to his what? His deity. Mark said, G John said, Jesus did the miracle of the loaves. Show, only God can do these things. Then Mark says, but you know what the problem was with the disciples? They didn't understand it. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand what Jesus was trying. So Jesus gave them another sign. He gave a sign to the disciples themselves. What? Once again, I'm going to do something that no man can do. I will walk on the water. And John said, and once I walk on the water and get in the boat, I'm going to transport all of you guys to the other side. Only God, I'm giving my disciples another sign so that they may know. And then Matthew comes and lets us see something. What? Yes, he did the sign of the world. What, what, what? The very end of it. Look at the end of what happened. They understood it now. They got time to reflect. Guys, what have we seen? He said, we just saw Jesus take two fish, five loaves, and he fed easily over 10 thousand people and we were just kind of like there as if it was like a miracle but we didn't really understand what Jesus was trying to say about himself okay fine and then Jesus did something because usually whenever Jesus goes somewhere he always takes us with him he chose 12 men 
to consistently be with him at all times, to bear witness of, he chose, and that's the whole reason for the choosing of the 12. You see, there were other disciples who were coming in and out. They were with Jesus at certain times, and then they would leave, go home and do whatever they were doing. But the 12 were always with him. He, he did something that was kind of confusing. He sent us on the other side by ourselves and he alone went into that mountain to pray and sent us away. That was kind of unusual. And then we get out here in the water and stuff is going crazy. And all of a sudden he comes walking on the water and he keeps saying, I am. I, we, we, we as the disciples, we are Jews. We know what that comes from. Exodus 3 and 14. We know that's a statement of God. He does some things that only God can do. And we put these two events together. I think we understand it. You are not simply a man. For John, the same writer of the Gospel of John, who wrote the book of Revelation, this same John when the angel had appeared unto him, John went down to his knees and the angel lifted him up and said, no, sir, you don't worship me. You don't worship a man. You don't even worship a creature that is higher order than a man. An angel worship God alone. But notice what you see here in Matthew's account. When Jesus got on the boat, don't you know Jews understand you don't worship a man? They, my whole point is they got it. They understood the signs of Jesus. They understood what Jesus was trying to say about himself. For when Jesus got into that boat, what did Matthew say they did? And they worshiped him. But I ain't through with y'all yet. And what did Matthew continue to say? You certainly are God's son. Why do you think they said certainly? They were in doubt. They were wondering. They didn't get the sign of the low, but they sure got it when Jesus walked on that water. And again, that's why I keep telling you guys again and again and again and again. You have to remember the titles of Jesus. Jews understood these things. When remember again when Jesus said, call God his Father, my father, we just dealt with that, but I don't have time to rehash that. Calling God his own father and they wanted to kill him. Why? He made himself equal with God, claiming divinity. Notice what they just said. You, sir, we were wondering if indeed you were divine. Now we know you are divine. You certainly are God's son. They used the divine title, son of God. They didn't call him son of man. They didn't call him Christ, the Messiah. That speaks to his human nature. They called him God's son. They used the divine title. So all of this goes simply to say that when John so just easily said it, and he walked on the water and the he said to them, I am. And then immediately they were on the other side. John incorporated this to say that Jesus did this sign. 
What sign? To walk on the water to show to his disciples that his disciples should get it through their thick heads that he indeed is God. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining me with that. We did a little bit. We stepped outside the bounds of interpret, uh, not interpret, of, of what we said we would do. That is, studying the Gospel of John. We couldn't restrict ourselves in simply studying the Gospel of John because that's when a lot of people were going to say, well, this is not a sign of his divinity. Yes, when you understand the whole picture, which is why we brought in Mark. What was Mark simply saying? Mark is simply saying the disciples did not understand Jesus's first sign. What sign? Sign of the Lord. His message of his divinity. He is God. God made flesh. They didn't get that just like the people didn't get it. And so therefore, Mark says to us what? He had to give his own disciples another sign walking on the water because they didn't get it. And then we patch it into what Matthew said. And Matthew simply says, when they saw Jesus doing what he did and he got in the boat, the disciples did what was forbidden to do to any man, worship. You do not worship a human being. You are, we are restricted to worship God alone. And what did the disciples do? They said to Jesus, now we got it. We understand what the loaves meant. Because why? The miracle that you just did in the walking on the water. We got it. You are God's son. You are the son of God. You are a divine being. You are, as John's gospel say, equal with God. You are, as John's gospel would say, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And doggone it, the Word was God. I like that. Lord have mercy on But anyway, calming down. Thanks for joining me, guys, with that final teaching. Now what we basically have in John, so far, John chapter 6, are the two signs of Jesus, the sign of the loaves of his divinity and the sign of his walking on the water of his divinity. You certainly are God's son. So join me next time as we continue on after this great event, the people, we, the people don't get it. They don't get it. And we move to the other side and the people begin to look for Jesus, wanting Jesus to feed them again. And we'll talk about all of that as we continue in our study in the Gospel of John. But once again, if you can say, Pastor Lee, thank you for these teachings. God has truly blessed me in these teachings. Will you join with me, support the ministry so that we can continue to bring these teachings to you? Always in every video in the description, there is a link in the description that will show you how you can support the ministry. But anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me. God bless you and see you next time. <music>